your Bibles, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9-7, I believe. Yes, I had the wrong line, 1 Corinthians, that's not right. 2 Corinthians 9-7. and 7. Um, Yeah, so one year ago, we were driving down here. I was uh, trying to buy a pair of dress shoes because I forgot mine. And I can't show up to preach those. Anyways, that was fun. Slightly stressful. But here we are. And glad to be here. Um, yeah. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So we're going to continue on our series this morning about worship, and uh, we're going to be talking about giving and worship. Last week we talked about thanks, this week we are talking about giving, so it all works out. Let's just pray one more time together. Hallelujah, God, I thank you. For what you're doing here, God, I thank you, Jesus, for your spirit and your anointing. God, I pray in your name, Jesus, you would speak to us this morning. God, anoint our ears to hear what you want us to hear. God, anoint my mouth to say what you want me to say. God, I pray in your name, let your will be done, God. I pray in Jesus' name, God, we give you all the thanks, God. You are worthy of it all, God. We give you all the praise. You are worthy of it all, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can sit if you want. Or stand if you want, whatever you want. Do jumping jacks if you want. Whatever. Thanksgiving, it's good times. Okay, so giving, giving in worship. Um, just so we're straight at the beginning here. I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just up here asking for money. Or anybody gets that opinion, you know, some people come to church like, all they want is money, money, money. That's not what this is about. This is about giving. There's lots of things we can give. So this Amen. giving is about more than just Amen. the dollars. Right. Okay, so we got that out of the way. So the Bible says that um, God loveth a cheerful, cheerful giver, right? So there's a couple ways to give. You can be cheerful or you can be grumpy. Just like... So last week we talked about being grumpy. So, still going on. There, there's something special about giving. Um, there's a there's a joy that comes with it. If you do it with the right attitude, there's a joy that comes with it. There's a peace that comes with it. There's a, a smile that that comes that comes with it. You think about like Christmas, right? What's what's more exciting than when you give somebody something and the, their face lights up? Like that's exactly what I was looking for. Like there's something. There's something that brings joy. Um, it's also fun to receive gifts, but it's it's good to it's good to give. There's a joy that comes with it, you know, birthdays, thing, uh, Christmas, whatever. There's a, there's a joy that comes with giving somebody something. You know, when you have kids and you know, they've asked for whatever, and if it's reasonable, and you give it to them, they're just wow. There's there's a joy that comes from that. Watching their their faces. Light up. And then there's the grumpy givers, right? Oh, I hate this. I hate Christmas. Arr. It's all about commercialism. Arr, arr, arr. 
That's you. Amen. Please repent. So, there's people that I just hate it. I hate it. You know, they feel forced to do it. And it, it shows. It shows in their face. It shows, you know, when people put their lights up, maybe a little early for them. It shows in their, it shows in how they react to things. You know, a grumpy giver is not a nice person to be around. Scrooge. When you give anything, he's grumpy. He just hates it. The humbug, you know, all that stuff. The Grinch taking everything. Doesn't like it. You know, if you're grumpy and you try to give, and it might be okay, oh, thanks, but there's like a resentment that comes with it. It's not, it's not the same, right? Kind of sucks the, the fun out of it. Kind of sucks the joy out of it. Anybody know anyone like that? Anybody like that? <laughs> So you can be a cheerful giver and you can be a grumpy giver, but God loves a cheerful giver. There's a joy that comes from giving. There's a, there's a satisfaction, there's a joy from knowing that you gave your best, that you gave you know, thought into something, you gave time into something, you've invested in something, you've given your best. There's a joy that, that comes from it. You know, if you're working with somebody and they don't want to be there, they're not giving their best, it sucks the energy of everybody else, right? When there's people that are happy to work, there's happy people that are happy to be there and happy to, to give their time at that moment, it just makes everything better. It makes everything more joyful. So when we give joyfully, it just lifts it all up here, you know? Um, there's a joy that comes from giving, knowing that you gave your best. And the same goes in the kingdom of God. There's a satisfaction in knowing that you gave your best to God. There's a joy in knowing that when you came, you gave your best worship. You gave your best time. You gave, you gave your best. Not just mailing it in, not just settling. You know, there's a joy that comes from giving your best. It feels good. And it brings cheer. You can be cheerful or you can be miserly. Like Scrooge, the old miser. You can... You can give unhappiness and unsatisfaction. But if you give with an open heart and an open hand, God will give back to you. God will fill that open hand. You give up, God will just put something back in your hand. That's how God works. It doesn't really make sense, right? But that's how God works. God is the great financial planner. He's God, the Bible says, cattle on a thousand hills. He's got everything that we need. So we give to him He's going to provide for us. He's going to give back to us. Yeah. The Bible's full of instructions on how to give, what to give to, and um, about his people giving to his cause, giving to other people. Um, even the Bible says we should give to our enemies. Matthew chapter 5 and 44, Jesus says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That doesn't sound like something you want to do. You don't want to give good things to people that are mean to you, but that's what Jesus says to do. That ye may be the light, ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God expects us to give, even if we don't want to. Even the people that maybe don't deserve it. God wants us to give our best. Um, and great worshipers, so we've been talking about worshiping. Great worshipers are great givers. Giving is an act of worship. You know, the whole point of worship, what we've been talking about, is keeping God number one, right? And if you're 
giving to God your best. That is an act of worship. You're keeping God number one. And we surrender, when you surrender yourself, when you surrender your possessions, you surrender your means to the one that you, you adore, the one that you love, that is, that is worship. You tell God that he's more valuable than, than what I have. He's more valuable than, than my money. He's more valuable than my time. He's more valuable than, than pleasures. He's more valuable than anything. That's what we tell him when we give to him. It puts God at number one on our priority list. And, and we serve God with our trust, but we also serve him with our time, with our talent, with our money, whatever we have. We, that's how we serve God. And the Holy Ghost prompts us to give. A sensitive heart will be willing to receive and give back to God. So what do we give? I know everybody likes talking about giving stuff. But what do we give? In the Old Testament, um, they gave the best of their flocks. Some of us have flocks of alpacas and sheep and goats and stuff. Some of us have those. A lot of us don't. So that's not really a thing we do. That'd be cool though, bringing the best of your alpacas just to sit them up here. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but, um, so what do we give? Um, the Bible says that, no, we've come along, sorry. In the Old Testament, they gave the best of their flocks and herds, but now we give um, something more, something better. Now we give uh, the best of ourselves. Romans chapter 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So now we give ourselves, we give our our time, we give our ourselves, our bodies, our, our minds, we give the best of us to God as a as a sacrifice. Not not just our goats, not just our cows or our sheep. We give ourselves. We are the sacrifices. That, that's how we live. And how we give. How we live is how we, how we give. Um, great giving leads to great living. When you give, God opens doors to you. Um, doors of promises and blessings from God. He pours out stuff, blessings on us. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. So if you give, God's going to give back to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For... With the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. So whatever you give, God's going to give you that and more. Whatever you give to God, he's going to give that back, which is kind of, kind of good. You talk about investments, this is a good investment. When you give stuff to God, he's going to give it back and more. You, know, you can invest your stuff, money, time, and other things. There's a risk. right? You can lose it. But if you give it to God, you're not going to lose it. It's going to come back better than it did before. Um, in Acts chapter 26, verse 19, Paul is testifying to King Agrippa. And he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He's talking about um, a vision he had in Acts chapter 9, verse 4. Um, when God appeared to him when he was on the way to Damascus and he had a vision. And Paul got... This vision, he was, the way he was thinking, the way he was living was very fleshly. It was what I want. You know, I want to stop these people. It was all about what he wanted. And then God gave him this vision and it lifted him out of, of his fleshly thinking, the way he was, he was living, the way he was thinking. And, 
it, it showed him something new. It changed his ways. And it helped lift him from where he was and put his focus on something else. Focus, right now we were just focused on you know, arresting the Christians, killing them, stopping them. But when this vision happened, it turned his focus onto God and what God wanted from him. And us, uh, sometimes it takes a new vision or an experience with God. Sometimes this happens and it, it takes us further. It takes us out of the ordinary. It takes us um, further in believing and praying and giving. And visions, visions give us a glimpse of the supernatural. Jacob, you know, he saw angels. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Ezekiel saw heavens opened up when... We get a vision from God, it shows us something in the supernatural. And visions are awesome, but sometimes we miss something. Um, Paul, when he's testifying to King Agrippa, he says, the way he's talking, he's not just talking about something coming, you know, seeing it and then it going. But this vision that he got affected him from then on. That vision he got from God um, changed his mindset, changed his life, it changed the whole course of his life. And with every vision we get from God, there's a call to service. There's a call to action. And, you know, God just doesn't give people visions to entertain us. Like, oh, yeah. instead of watching Netflix or whatever, God's going to give us visions. It's going to be entertaining and then we'll just carry on our life. But God gives us visions to, to change us, to challenge us, to take us, to take us further. Um, to show us what he, how he sees things. And, so the same thing happened with Jacob. Um, in Genesis chapter 28 and 22, Jacob has a vision. Uh, he sees the angels ascending on the, on the ladder, going up and down, and he calls a place Bethel. And he says, um, verse 22, it says, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So God gives him a vision at this point. And right now they've just been going along and God gives them a vision and takes them to a new place, takes them further, gives them, um, you know, changes his life from that point out. And Jacob says, from now on, I'm gonna give a tenth. I'm gonna give um, consistently. Up until this point, they had just given whenever you know, God did something great, they would make a sacrifice or they wanted something, they'd make a sacrifice. But at this point, God shows up and changes how we think about giving changes how um, Jacob was thinking about giving. He says, I'm going to do this consistently now. This is something that's going to be a consistent thing. That's where we get the, um, the idea of tithing. Jacob said, I'm going to give uh, a one-tenth. And God gave him a vision, and it changed him. And it started, it started him thinking differently. It started him thinking about, you know, maybe there's more that I can do. Right now, I'm just kind of doing my thing, but there, maybe God wants more from me and it it was a starting point for giving consistently and there's more to there's more to giving than just a tithe you know that's a starting point it's important but there's there's more to that um, so up until then they just give when something happened but God wanted more God um, desired more from them and um, it caused Jacob to look beyond and go further and Jesus had the same kind of problem with his disciples. They were so focused on one little thing and he wanted them to look up and look beyond what, what they were seeing and see what he saw and um, to give more. 
John chapter 4 and 35, he says, Say not ye, there are four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are, already, they are white already to harvest. He said, look up. You know, you're looking down, you're, you're thinking about all this stuff, but look up and see that it's already ready. Look up and see I have more for you than what you think right now. Look up, there's more, there's more to be had. And, and um, sometimes we just, we get focused on where we're at, right? We get focused on what's going on in our life, what's going on in our family, what's going on in our, our church or whatever. We get focused on the things in life, but God has a bigger plan. And we need to sometimes look up and see what God has for us. Look up and see if there's more that God wants from us. Not just, you know, like Jacob just coasting along and doing it, but God wanted to lift him up and give and have him give more. And sometimes that's what God wants from us, to look up and see, you know, look at what we're doing and see what we can do more. Does that make sense? Um, vision, vision without obedience is useless. You know, it's... It's not enough just to see something, but we need to enter into it. Um, we walk by faith, right? So we got to keep going forward. And tithing, you know, it's a good place to start, but there's more to there's more to God than just that. There's more that we can give. There's more we can we can offer to God. There's more we can look up and see that there's there's a harvest ready. There's more for us. And God promised. God promised to provide to people who trust in his promise. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. I will not open, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing, that there shall be no room enough to receive it. God said, you, you know, give to me, and I'm going to pour out to you so much that you can't even receive it all. You can't even fill your storehouses. You're going to need to build more. If you give to me, I'm going to give more. Amen. Amen. So what we give to God, He uses. We give Him our time. We give Him our, our money. We give Him our energy. We give Him our, our focus. We give Him our attention. And He will use that yes. and bless us. Thank you, Jesus. And blessing of God comes when we put God first. Amen. That's why God loves a cheerful giver. When you when you give cheerfully, you know, you're focused on that person that you're giving to. But when you give begrudgingly, you're focusing on yourself and how I don't want to do this. When we give cheerfully, God loves that. He will bless, bless us. Blessing of God comes when we put um, God first. Worship puts God at number one. Number one in dedication, number one in time, number one in focus, number one in our life, and number one in giving. It's all, it's all part of worship. When we give, when we give our time, when we give our money, when we give our energy, whatever we have, when we give it, it shows where your priorities are. Yeah. You can look at what you spend your time on. You can look at what you spend money on, what you, you talk about, and that will show you where your priorities are. Yeah. Uh, I got an update on my phone that now tells us how we spend our screen time. On your phone, and it's very eye-opening that you can waste a lot of time on nothing. You know, we can waste. It shows us where our priorities are. Oh, you spend an hour. I got a, a 
you can limit yourselves on apps now, so that's good. So I get a warning, you spent too long on Facebook today. And I'm like, cool, I'll stop that. Because when, when we do this, we, we put our priorities in the wrong spot, right? I'm, I'm guilty of it too. And we, we focus on the wrong things and we're not giving God our best. But where you spend your time, where you spend whatever you have, that'll show you where your priorities are. And it's not enough just to have God as number one on Sunday. You know, he needs to be number one on Monday morning. He needs to be um, number one on Wednesday night. He needs to be number one on payday. He needs to be number one every, every day. All day worship. That's what dedication truly is. That's what worship truly is when God is number one all the time. Not just at a specific time. Not just when he needs something. Not just when he did something good for you. But all the time. And when we keep God at number one all the time, he will bless us abundantly. There's stories in the Bible about, about people giving everything and God um, providing for them. And I'm not saying you need to quit your job and just come live at the church. Just camp out here and take care of whatever. But that would be weird. <laughs> but God should be you know, number one in our life, number one in our focus. He should be first on our mind. When we make decisions, it should be based on what does God think. Right. You know, when you take a new job that you're going to have to work every Sunday, maybe don't take it. Right. Maybe it might pay a little better, but you're sacrificing yeah. time in the presence of God with your, your family. You know, it should affect our decisions. God should, our relationship with God should affect everything in our lives. If he's number one, it's going to affect everything. And everything, all our decisions are going to be based off of that. In the Bible, um, there's stories about people giving everything and God providing for them. First Kings chapter 17, there's a widow of Zarephath and Elijah. <clears throat> you know the story where... Um, Elijah comes and he says, hey, make me a cake. And she's like, um, I can't. I don't have enough. I just got enough for me and my son. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die. Just super cheerful. But Elijah says, you know, make me this cake first. And I promise you that the oil will never run out. Everything's going to be fine. Just trust and make it for me and God will provide for you. And she does that. And then the oil doesn't run out. And she's good. All through the famine she lives. And then later on her son dies. Sometimes bad things happen. Her son dies. And, but God remembered her faithfulness. God remembered her worship. God remembered how much she gave. And when her son died, God came through and raised him from the dead. He came through because she kept God number one in her life. She gave what she had to God and God provided for her and God blessed her more than she ever expected. She didn't expect her son to be raised from the dead. You know, somebody dies, that's it. You know, but God came through and provided for her more ways than she thought was possible because she was willing to give. God, if we keep God number one, he will always provide for us. If we keep God number one, he will always come through. Sometimes it may feel like you're sweating it out. You know, this person's dead, it's too late now, but God always comes through. Amen. Sometimes it feels like, you know, I can't do this any longer, but God will always come through if we keep God number one. Abraham and Isaac, God asked him to sacrifice his son, his most cherished thing, his promise from God. God asked him to sacrifice it, and he was 
looking to see if he was willing to do it. And when he saw that, God came through. Amen. If we keep God number one, we'll be willing to give whatever is most valuable to us, whatever is most important to us or precious to us. We won't hold anything back. Kids, you know, if you have kids, they're very important, a very important part of your life. Amen. Right? Amen. You know, that's why Christmas, maybe you overspend. Maybe, you know, you give more than you think you can give. Because you love them. Kids are an important thing. Kids are important. And back then, you know, that was your, your legacy. Your kids, you know, that's everything they had. I'm going to pass it on to my kids. But he was willing to sacrifice that. And God came through. When we keep God number one, he will come through for us. And if God is number one, we will worship him. No matter what happens. No matter if we're in a good time or a bad time, we will worship him. And you can tell... By how someone reacts in a trial or tribulations, you can tell by how they react um, if they're living a life of worship. You can tell by how they react if God is number one or not. So what's your reaction when something bad happens? Do you, do you worship? Do you blame God? What do you do? That's how you tell. Um, blaming God is a worldly reaction, you know. You try to tell someone that God's real, and what's the first thing they say? Well, if God's real, why does this happen? Yeah, right. Amen. You know, that's, that's how the world reacts. If God's real, why does cancer? Why, why this? Why that? Why children die? Why does this happen? That's the first reaction. They, they blame God, and that's the wrong reaction. God is good yeah. in spite of the bad. No matter what happens, God is still God, and God is still good. Job... And one day, he lost all his possessions. He lost all of his kids. Huge tragedy, a massive loss. Hurt more than I hurt myself. You know, he, I can't even imagine losing all your kids in one day, losing all your stuff, everything you had all gone in one day. You get sick, you lose your health. Your wife tells you, why don't you just die? You know, sometimes maybe your wife said that to you. I don't know. But... <laughs> To have that all happen at once, that's a big, that's a big thing, right? In Job chapter 1, verse 20, this is Job's reaction. It says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. That was Job's reaction. His heart was in the right place. God was number one in his life. When everything was taken and everything was bad and everything fell apart, his reaction was to worship. If anybody had, you know, the choice... Or anybody had the reason to say, this isn't fair. It was Job. Amen. If anybody could have reacted and blamed God, it was Job. Like, I don't, none, of that, none of that's happened to any of us. That I know of. But if it is, that would, I'm sorry, I'll pray with you. <laughs> but this is like, like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. The worst day that anybody could ever have. And his reaction was to worship. He could have blamed God, but his reaction was to worship. Because he was... Number one. So what is our reaction when tragedy strikes? Do we blame God or do we worship him? That's how you tell where God is in your life. If he's number one or not. Do you, do you, if you're in pain, do you, do you praise him? What is your reaction? Hebrews chapter 13 and 15, we read last week, says, But by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good for Job to worship at that moment. Right. He was hurting. He was, right. he was in pain. He was upset. Yes. 
But he brought worship because it was a it was a sacrifice. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to worship. Sometimes it's hard to press through. Sometimes it's hard to give what you what you're supposed to to God. But that's when we need to do it the most. A sacrifice doesn't feel good, but we need to do it. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter five verse eighteen says, "In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." A lot of times we're looking for the will of God. A lot of times we're wondering, you know, what do you want from me, God? What's, what's your will for my life? What's your plan for my life? This is it right here. For those, the will of God. And everything, give thanks. Give thanks. Give God thanks. Give to Him and everything. Anything that happens, give it. Give thanks to God. Worship God and everything that happens. Good things, worship God. Bad things, worship God. When everything falls apart and... All your kids are taken away and all of your cows and sheep are killed in one day. I don't even know how that happens, but thanks. Give thanks to God. When anything that happens, give thanks to God in everything. Every opportunity, everything we go through. I've said it before, but everything we go through is an opportunity to know God fuller, to know God more. Be thankful. Because God is still in control. God is still king. God gave, at the end, Job... Twice as much as he had before. I don't even know how that happens. He had nothing. He didn't have a job. He didn't have anything to buy those things back. He didn't have the money. Like, I don't know how that even happens. But God just gave it back to him. Twice what he had before. And everything gives thanks. Every thing we go through is an opportunity to know God fuller, to know God more. If we keep God number one, no matter what we're going through, we give him worship, we give him praise, we give him our time, we keep him number one, and he'll take care of us. Amen. The real issue is not how much we give, but how much of us we give and how we give. How much of you do you give? We don't all have the same amount of stuff. We don't all have the same amount of money. We don't all have the same amount of time. Some of us are retired, we have more time. Some of us you know, work 12-hour days, 16-hour days, whatever. Some of us don't have as much time. Some of us have more time. Some of us don't have as much money. Some of us have more money. We all have different amounts of stuff. Amen. Right? It's not how much you give all this person that we're here all day. Whatever. This person gave $10,000. Wow. Look at them. This person gave $2. Oh, no. Like, it's not... How much you give, but it's how much of you you give. How much that you have that you give. God knows your heart. God knows your motives. God knows what's going on. God knows who you are and how much of you you give. He sees. Mark chapter 12, there's a story of the, the widow with two mites. Right? And Jesus is sitting there watching how much people give. And there's people that come in, they're loaded, and they're just you know giving of their abundance, it says they're just giving what they have. You know, I've got a million dollars, here's a thousand, which really isn't much out of a million. But if you have a thousand dollars and you give a thousand dollars, that's a lot. That's all you got. So she only had a little bit, but she gave everything. Other people gave more in numbers, but she gave more according to Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 12, verse 43 says, And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. 
she gave more according to Jesus. He doesn't care how much you give in numbers. He cares how much of you you give, how much you give in worship, how much of you. That's what he wants. He doesn't want all your money. You know, he doesn't want in the numbers. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your worship. He wants you to keep him at number one. Because when you give everything, you've got to trust God. <laughs> this widow, she gave everything. She didn't have anything else. She was trusting God completely. God was number one, and he's going to provide. That widow with the, in the Old Testament with the oil, she gave literally all that she had, and God provided for her, and then God did more for her. When we give all that we have of our time, and we keep God number one, he will provide and take care of us. In the Old Testament, uh, there's a lot of rules about giving, a lot of rules about sacrificing. You know, you do this wrong, you got to bring a cow. If you do this wrong, you got to bring a couple of doves. You do this, whatever. There's all these rules set out. In the New Testament, it's not like that so much. The New Testament, we have grace, and God moves on our hearts and prompts us um, what to give. Out of our thankfulness to what he's done for us. Um, our text, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, says, Every man according as he purposeth in his own heart. What, what happens in your own heart, let him give. What God speaks to you, let you give. Not grudgingly or, or because you have to, but because God loves a cheerful giver. What you have, um, according to your heart, give. God's going to move on us to give. It's not, there's not a number that you need to give what God speaks to you and moves on you. Hallelujah. It's more about in our heart, it's our, our thankfulness. We give out of our thankfulness for what God's done for us. Thanksgiving is a time that we look and we, we thank, you know, we thank God for everything that we have in our lives. And we give out of our thankfulness. Hallelujah. The more thankful you are, the more willing you are to give. Amen. Um, there was a guy that came into our church in St. John. And he was just so excited to be part of the church. He just was there all the time. Just whatever he could do. He's in his 80s now. He was just there all the time. And I, when the school is grandchildren, they're like, I, we hate this church because our grandfather's there all the time now. <laughs> he got saved and now all he does is go to church. <laughs> and it was like, but he was so thankful that he just gave everything he had. Just gave all of his time. He was just so thankful and appreciative of what God did for him. When we keep God number one, we're more willing to give. When we're thankful, you're more willing to give. If you love somebody, you're going to give them something. Amen. You know. Yes. You do that secret Santa thing at work and you get somebody you don't <laughs> get along with, you're not going to be so eager to give. But if you get that, you know, the person that you really like, the person that you're friends with, you're going to, you know, there's... Anyways. But if you love someone, you're going to give more. You're going to be more willing to give. <clears throat> People who don't who don't care, don't show up. You know, if we're willing, we love God, we keep God number one, when there's something going on, we're going to show up and we're going to help. We're going to do what we can. But if you don't care, you're not going to. I know people have jobs and other commitments, but you can tell where your priorities are by what you do. If your heart's right with God and God is number one in your life, you'll be thankful and you will give Liberally, you will give whatever you can. Um, and I realize that talking about this can be uncomfortable sometimes. Um, 
Giving in worship can cause some people to feel uncomfortable. When you give, it may make some other people feel uncomfortable. On Mark chapter 14, there is a woman who had a box with ointment in it. And that was the best she had. And she gave it to Jesus. In Mark chapter 14 and 4, it says, And there were some that had indignation with themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? It made them feel uncomfortable. They said, that's a waste. What is she doing? Why is she doing that? Do you ever have somebody say, why do you go to church? Why do you go to church twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday? That doesn't make any sense. Why, why are you going on a Saturday to help do a family fun day? Why are you putting your time into this thing? It doesn't make any sense to me. It makes people uncomfortable sometimes. And why do you give money to missions? Why do you take your time to plow the churchyard when it snows? Why do you, why are you baking all these cookies for the annual bake sale out of your own time and your own money? Why are you doing that? Why do you, why do you come and, and sing and, and play? Why do you teach Sunday school? Why do you make these signs for your church? Why do you, you know, why do you do these things? People can look at it and say that's a waste. But when God's number one, it's not a waste. It's worship. When you're out here plowing the yard, that's worship. When you come and help clean, that's worship. When you you give your time on a Saturday when we have a special thing and you come and help, that's worship. It's not a waste. God sees it and God knows your heart and God is going to bless you for it. When we give... When we live a life of worship, God is number one. And not everyone is going to see it that way. Giving is part of worship. I'm almost done. I know I've been long. Some of us are tired. I'm sorry. You know the music and that. Please and thanks. But if we seek and we put God first in everything, including giving, he will take care of us. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about trusting God for for food, for clothes. He's saying, you know, um, look at the, the birds. God takes care of them. How, how much more is he going to take care of you? And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, take, you know, put God first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Amen. And his righteousness. And everything else is going to be taken care of. But we put God number one. In giving, in worship, in time, and money, and whatever we have, when we put God number one in our lives, He will take care of us. And giving unifies us. It brings us all together. We're all in this together. We're all working together. Have you ever had a school project, or maybe a work project, and they put you in teams, and there's that one person that doesn't do anything? one person that doesn't pull their weight, and there's always that one overachiever, right? And there, it, it, it clashes because not everybody's giving as much. Not everybody's giving their time. Not everybody, and they're not pulling their weight, and it causes a dysfunction. But when everybody's working together, when everybody's giving together, everybody's giving their best, it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much smoother and so much better. It just runs like a, 
a well-oiled machine. The early church, they gave everything. Literally, they sold everything and they gave it to the church and it unified them and brought them together. Even, even if they disagreed on things, everything would work out. And they were together. They had one motive. When one of them rejoiced, everybody rejoiced. When we give, it brings us all together. When something happens, you know, somebody gets a good report, we all get a good report. Somebody gets a bad report, we all get a bad report. We're all there together. We're all in it together. It brings us together. If we live a life of worship, um, God will be number one. And if we look at it like that, nothing we have belongs to us. Everything belongs to God. God just entrusts us with it. He lets us take care of it. And if we live like that, and my friend's church in Toronto, or Richmond Hill, they were so thankful they got cars, they would pray over them, they would bless their ask God to bless their cars and say, I'm, really, I'm not coming to church unless I fill this vehicle up. And that's what they would do. They would pray that God would give them a car, God would give them a car, and they would fill it up and bring people to church because that's, they were thankful. They put God number one. They were going to use it for Him. They didn't care if their car got dirty. They didn't care, you know, they got high mileage on it because they're driving all around picking people up. They didn't care about oil changes or maintenance. Because God was number one. And they were willing to give that little hatchback they got to God. They were willing to give that in worship. And we're willing to give in worship and keep God number one. Every, bring this all together. And the Bible says that when you die, you're not going to take anything with you anyway. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 and 19, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where these break through and steal. Just don't worry about stuff. Trust God. Don't keep trying to pile stuff up. Give to God. God's going to bless you. God's going to use you. God's going to do things through you. If you give, God will take care of you. Amen. Let's all stand. Please. Giving is a, an expression of worship. When you love something, you'll give to it. When you love your wife, you'll give her attention. One, maybe flowers, maybe whatever. If you love somebody, you'll give them something. You'll give them attention. You'll give, you'll give to them. When we love God, when we keep God number one, we're, we will give to Him. There's an expression of worship. There's an expression of love. It removes our selfish desires, removes our pursuits, removes our ideas, and it keeps God number one. It says, I don't care about what I want, I, this is what you want. And I'm done. I know it was really long today. I'll be shorter tonight. Please forgive me. Amen. Let's just take some time this morning. Just worship God and give Him thanks. Now, this is something that we need to take with us. But. Just take some time and you know dedicate to God and say, God, I'm going to keep you number one. I want to worship you in everything, with everything I have, with, with my giving, with my time, my finances, whatever I have, I want to keep you number one. So let's just take some time and pray. In a few minutes, we'll just commit to God and say, God, you're number one. I want to worship you with everything. In Jesus' name.